You are Locked On Vols, your daily Tennessee Volunteers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Vols, your team every day. My name is Josh Ward. Thank you for being here today. I hope everybody had a great weekend. I'm excited for today's show, which is going to feature a lot of Tennessee football talk. We're going to look at the different position groups on the offensive and defensive sides of the ball. Patrick Brown of GoVols247.com is going to stop by to join me coming up in just a moment. Right here on today's show, presented by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. So we're going to cover Tennessee football on the offensive and defensive sides, players to pay attention to. I think once we go through all the players who will play Probably bigger roles on the team, like Trey Smith, he's already going to play a big role just like he did a year ago, and and there are several players in that position, but there are more, I think, that will either be starting or providing depth. It's going to show that Tennessee is in a better position with its roster, I think top to bottom, than where it was just a couple of years ago. How many players are ready to help lead the way, though, like Daryl Taylor and Nigel Warrior and Jawan Jennings did? That'll be a part of the conversation. The offensive side here in segment number one, the defensive side in segment number two, and then in the final segment, just kind of an update on where things are as Oklahoma has actually adjusted its schedule at the beginning of the season. That's something that potentially affects Tennessee. What are the scenarios to pay attention to? And Stuart Mandel with the note of just how different last week was from one area of the country to the next with projecting for college football this fall. It's a daily conversation, and I'm having it right here on Locked On Vols. Appreciate you being here. Welcome, new listeners. Welcome back, listeners who continue to check out Locked On Vols. I appreciate you being here as it's part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I want to welcome to the show Patrick Brown from GoVols247.com covering Tennessee football. And uh, Patrick, we are getting closer as players continue to work out to the expected start of fall camp and everybody getting ready for the start of the 2020 season. Of course, there's going to be a ton of attention on Jarrett Garantano in the quarterback room. As he comes back, uh, set to be the starter again, where do you think things are for Jarrett, the offense, year two with Jim Chaney, as they get ready for this upcoming fall? Well, I think he's probably uh, glad that he's not having to spend this off season, particularly this particular off season, with um, you know it being disrupted and, and the team spending a few months apart from uh, coach staff. I imagine he's probably even more uh, relieved that he doesn't have to learn another new offense. He's obviously had to do that just about every year of his career, and so um, again, you're hoping that that does the trick. Uh, you know, Garantano's had his his ups and his downs throughout his career. I don't think anybody can question necessarily his arm talent or his toughness or his, his determination um, for, for him to, to go through what he went through last year and, and come out on the other side of it, um, helping Tennessee win some games there uh, of the second half of the season. Um, but, he, you know, he's got to go out and, and deliver. He's obviously you know got, got some young quarterbacks with some talent that are going to be pushing him. Uh, I think that what's happened this offseason with pretty much Tennessee not having a spring practice, only got through two days. Um, uh, it, it maybe is, is probably made it more likely that he's going to be the guy. But, you know, when, when they do start playing, whenever that is, he's got to go out and he's got to play well. I, I don't think uh, after what we saw last season that uh, if he struggles, I don't know how long his leash will be. I think Jeremy Pruitt has shown that um, he, he's willing to, you know, sit Garantano for a series or two and, and let him kind of watch the game from the sideline and go from there. Um, and, and so I think that, Whatever he does in practice, whenever they start practice, I'm not saying there's you know don't put any stock in it, but 
you know, he, he's been a good practice player in the past. He's always worked hard. He, he, he very much cares uh, about being Tennessee's starting quarterback and wants to be good. Um, now it's just a matter of him going out there and delivering. And um, certainly I think what he did at the end of last season earned a lot of, earned him a lot of respect for his teammate, uh, from his teammates. And I think that should, uh, as long as he continues to play well enough, uh, I think that can play into his hands as well as, as well having Jim Chaney for uh, a second consecutive season. Now, the toughest thing for me, though, is, is he's going to be throwing to a, a, you know, some new guys at receivers. So I think that's maybe the, the challenge this year that, uh, that's maybe a little bit new for him. Yeah, that's where I would go next. Patrick Brown, GoVols247.com. What do you think of the skill positions? I'll, I'll kind of lump them all together. Josh Palmer comes back with the most production there at wide receiver, but that group, as well as the running backs, how they might factor in. So the skill positions, it's obviously different. You lose production. How does that affect the offense? Yeah, I'll, I'll start with the running backs. I think the big question there is who's the number three guy with Tim Jordan getting dismissed back in June um, after his arrest. Is that you know which freshman potentially kind of walks through that door? Is it Lenise Whitehead? Is it T. Hodge from down the road in Maryville? What kind of role will Jamari, uh, Jabari Small have um, as a freshman? He's a little bit like Gray and, and or a little bit like Eric Gray and Ty Chandler in some ways. That's the question for me because you need and Jay Graham knows this. He had a raft of injuries at Texas A&M with their backfield last season. He he got a freshman in Isaiah Spiller to have a pretty good year. I think he was close to a thousand yards. Um, was among the SEC's rushing leaders. So. You know, he knows how to get a freshman ready, and he may have to get one ready to be uh, that third and, and potentially fourth guy uh, in the backfield. But with the wider season, Corey, it's interesting. Um, it's a new-look group, but they've got some guys that have been in the program for a little while. Uh, obviously, the big question, you mentioned Josh Palmer. I think the question for him is can he go from uh, operating as that sort of third guy where, you know, defenses and, and uh, opposing secondaries are focused on Marquez Calloway and Juwan Jennings, you know, how does he handle being the guy now that the coordinators say, okay, we we got to – you know, we, need, we might need to bracket this guy. How does he go against playing the other team's best cornerbacks uh, on a more consistent basis? Those are things that, that he's going to have to show he can do as he sort of steps into that number one role. But, uh, you know, they got some decent pieces around him. I'm interested to see. I think uh, Ramel Keaton and, and Angel Gibbs are a couple of guys that uh, have some potential that may be ready to step into bigger roles. I think Bellis Jones, you know, he didn't do much as a receiver at USC, but I think he's got some things that, that maybe Tennessee has had and, and then, uh, the big talk with the receivers this summer has been the freshmen, um, and that's been gone from a quartet now to, to five guys there. I think Jimmy Holiday has been working at wide receiver for about six weeks now. He was a quarterback for the two practices they had in the spring. Another fast guy. But, yeah, the, these, these freshmen, and for the most part, they're bringing a lot of speed to this group, and Tennessee hasn't for the last couple of years. They've relied on sort of the big power forward guys like Callaway and Jennings, and uh, now they have some guys that uh, aren't as big, but – you know, there are guys coming in with, with electronic 4-3, you know, and, and sub-4-4 four, four times. So uh, you're hoping they can take the top off defense. You're hoping they can take short passes, make a couple guys miss. Um, Jimmy Callaway, I think, is a guy that, that, that turns some heads this summer. Um, and, and the same for, for Holiday as well. So, and then, you know, Malachi Weidman's the uh, probably has the best highlight reel of all those guys. So um, I, I think there's a lot to be excited about with that young group. It's but I would expect some growing pains. Um, that's just sort of the nature of uh, of what happens. And I would maybe caution against expecting too much too soon from, from some of those guys. But uh, certainly they are an exciting group and, and I think a reason for, for Tennessee fans to hope that the loss uh, of Jennings and Callaway, who obviously took big parts of the offense last season and, and just made so many plays, the hope is that you can get enough from this group 
collectively to sort of alleviate uh, the loss uh, of those two guys. And then, Patrick, to kind of wrap up the conversation on the offensive side of the ball, of course the hope, and I would say the expectation probably, is that the offensive line will take a big step, and that is with an assumption that Cade Mays is going to be able to play. If if something were to change there, that would change the conversation as well. But what do you think about the potential and also what needs to happen for the offensive line to be as good as a lot of people believe it can be? Well, I think for them to, to meet expectations, I think they're going to need Cade Mays out there. I think they're pretty good with what they've got coming back, but I think he, he takes them to a whole other level because I think he's a guy that, uh, along with Trey Smith, are, are sort of tone-setting guys. They're, they're physical, big, strong, powerful players, kind of guys that can set a tone physically for uh, for what you want to do. And, and if Tennessee wants to um, establish an identity, uh, maybe not for just this season, but maybe moving forward long-term too, of being sort of a, a smash-mouth physical football team. It's got to start with those guys, and it's got to start uh, with Trey Smith and with Cade Mays. And so uh, I think they need uh, – obviously they'll be hoping that they get good news on Cade Mays with the NCAA. You almost really never know. Uh, they, that, uh, that process can obviously be pretty unpredictable. Um, but I think the big question, too, is, is what do they get out of the tackle spots, particularly Juan A. Morris at, um, at left tackle? Um, can he kind of iron out some of the kinks that he that – he, kind of showed last season he was a freshman and he kind of expected some of the uh the mistakes that he made um I mean, he was a pretty good run blocker too so if he can uh, and he's got everything he needs to be a good pass protector so if he can get uh, make some progress there then uh, i think that that takes care of a really important position and then what do they get a right tackle to you know and where, and where do they play Cade Mays? you know he, he played a lot of guard at georgia he could play tackle um and so you know his flexibility gives tennessee some options on that right side obviously Trey Smith and, and Brandon Kennedy are going to be the starters at center and, and left guard. But, yeah, and, and then they've also got some pretty good depth, too, with some guys that have started games that may be coming off the bench or playing rotational roles. So, But I think they've got to have Cade in there for, for them to be one of the best two, three offensive lines in the SEC, maybe one of the best ten or so in the country, which is what some people are projecting and potentially expecting. For that to happen, I think they've got to have, um, they've got to have him in the lineup for sure, um, and, and they need – uh, and they need those tackles, whether it's Darnell Wright or right tackle, whether it's Karon Calvert, whether it's someone else. They they need the tackles to uh, to take steps, particularly if if it's if it's right. Morris, those two guys are obviously highly touted former five star guys, but as sophomores, you'd expect them to take steps and start to show signs of being uh, legitimate SEC starters. Patrick Brown of GoVols247.com, and we'll come back and move to the defensive side. Defensive players to pay attention to. There are some younger guys who are going to have more of an opportunity. We'll go through the different position groups on the defensive side, coached by Jeremy Pruitt and Derek Ansley, next right here on Locked on Vols, presented by RockAuto.com. And I tell you all the time, I appreciate the support of the show. A great way to, to support this show and to support the Locked on Podcast Network is to support our supporters. That includes Rock Auto, which is also just a great option for you to check out. If you are looking for parts for your car, if you're a do-it-yourselfer, rockauto.com is a great option. If you're a professional, rockauto.com is a great option. It's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. You can go to rockauto.com and check out all the different body parts, auto parts they have from hundreds of manufacturers. They have a catalog that is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You simply kind of select through the different make and model and year of the car that you're looking for a part for. So go to rockauto.com, take advantage of the reliably low 
prices that they have available and all the different options that they have available for you as well. It's at rockauto.com. See the parts that are available for your car or truck and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Patrick Brown is with me here. GoVols247.com is where you can read his coverage of Tennessee football. Patrick, I want to shift over to the, the defensive side. What do you make of that linebacker position, which is going to be led by Henry Tooto? You have some young players that will have new opportunities. You also have to replace Daniel Batuli. Where's Tennessee at linebacker, do you think, entering fall camp? Well, I think the linebacker uh, position, both inside and outside, I think it, it's sort of a question mark. But, again, I think they have some, some decent options there. Um, obviously, there's a name but he's the quarterback of the defense. Uh, we saw what they looked like without him last season uh, early on. I, I think replacing him, though, maybe maybe isn't even really the big question because they've got Henry Toto, who I think has, has been well-groomed to sort of take over that sort of captain, that, that leadership role, that, um, that signal, you know, calling the signals, being the extension of the coaching staff, and making sure everybody's where they need to be before every snap. I think he can handle that. Question is, can they get another guy next to him who is as good as Toa Toa was last season? And I think that's where Kaveris Kraut could come into play. Uh, I would expect him to um, be the starter there. And uh, and the question is, do they get, you know, how do some of those other young guys come along? You know, what does Aaron Beasley look like as a sophomore? And the two freshmen from Memphis, Bryson Easton and Martavius French, how ready can they be? in terms of learning the defense. And then what do they get out of J.J. Peterson? And looking at the outside linebacker position, obviously replacing Daryl Taylor is a big question mark, 16 and a half sacks of the past two seasons. You know, I think Kevon Bennett's ready to maybe be an every-down guy. Uh, he showed a lot of improvement, I thought, last season. Can they get any sort of consistency out of DeAndre Johnson, who's a player that they've liked before? Um, what do they get out of Roman Harrison? Uh, he flashed in potential, particularly late in the year. Um, and, and then they've got a couple of freshmen there. Morvin Joseph was one of the uh, – one of the additions in the past, I really like. Uh, I think he could be an impact player. And, uh, and obviously, Tyler Brand from, from down the road in Knoxville Catholic, I think he's also got a chance to uh, to maybe get a role and, and play situationally um, as a freshman this season. Patrick, is there any individual player that stands out among the defensive line, or is the conversation that, the defensive line and the amount of players they were able to rely on last year? Now, of course, the defensive line does not include Emmett Gooden, as uh, the Vols were hoping because of his dismissal. Well, I think that's a good question, Josh. And I think by the end of last season, I think maybe their their quality came from their quantity, you know, because they could roll six deep, play a couple guys in situational, situ, you know, situational packages, sub packages, goal line, third down, what have you. Um, and, and, you know, there wasn't much of a drop off when they rotated from the first tree to the second tree. You know, they had some guys kind of bounce in out of the lineup. Joe Bumpus missed a couple games. Aubrey Solomon was banged up for a little bit. Um, and they never really seemed to skip a beat once they overcame sort of that that slow start where, you know, they were they were you know just playing so many guys that hadn't played a lot of football, uh, hadn't you know really been in some of those battles on the trenches. But uh, as those guys got some experience, I think they they came along and, and were pretty solid. Uh, I would expect that to continue. Um, I don't I don't I'm not going to say that losing in the good is is not a 
significant loss. I think he was a player that potentially could have been uh, maybe a, a break from that norm, maybe a guy that could be uh, a little bit more of, a, of a, a dominant player, a disruptor, a guy that uh, opposing offenses say, hey, we got to make sure that we don't let this guy wreck our game plan. But, you know, sometimes it, there's something to be said for strength in numbers, and uh, I think Tennessee feels that they can go six, seven, eight, maybe even more than that deep on their on their defensive line. So uh, it would be interesting to see if, if they do have any of those guys that can sort of pop out and, and show that they deserve to play 50, 60 snaps a game um, and can be guys that, that you know, uh, are, are sort of more dominant individual players. Uh, I think Aubrey Solomon maybe might be one of the best bets. I'm also interested to see uh, what Daryl Middleton can do because I think he's got some upside. Uh, I think he's still sort of – or last season I think he was still sort of learning how to play defensive line at this level. Um, and, and if he's continuing – if he continues to improve, I think he's uh, – there's reasons to think he could be a pretty good player and maybe it's sort of a headlining guy on that defensive line. But uh, it's a good situation to be in. If you're, if you're deep up there and you can roll guys in and uh, not have much of a drop-off, that, guy, that way guys stay fresh. Um, and there's something to be said for that, and I think that's why Tennessee was successful uh, down the stretch of last season, and I think that's why expectations should be pretty high for the defensive line going into this season. Hey, Patrick, finally on the back end, Tennessee has to replace Nigel Warrior, but what would you say is the ceiling for the defensive backfield, uh, which of course gets coached by Jeremy Pruitt and Derek Ansley, two uh, very respected guys coaching in the defensive backfield? Yeah, I've always thought that uh, as, long as, as long as Pruitt and Ansley are sort of running the show, really for the whole defense, I think Tennessee – regardless of what talent, regardless of the personnel, I think they'll always be um, at least solid defensively. Uh, and obviously they're going to hold those secondary guys to a high, even higher standard because uh, in their minds, from their standpoint as coaches, they think the good defense starts back there in the secondary. They start with how well you can cover. Because if you can't cover, then you can't really, you know, you can't really be aggressive up front. And if you can't cover and you are aggressive up front, you're taking chances and you're taking risks and you're giving up big plays. And I think Tennessee's been pretty good over the last couple of seasons of not giving up big plays. Uh, I think that starts with the secondary. Obviously, losing Warriors, big question mark. Um, I think they're pretty solid at cornerback. Obviously, Bryce Thompson, I think, is a really good player, probably one of their most talented players. Uh, I'm interested to see if they move him around in some of their sub packages. You know, they, they played him a little bit in the dime late last season. Wanted to do that earlier, but obviously his off-field – incident that got him suspended sort of put the brakes on on those plans what do they do with him and some of those sub packages um, but they've got other corners there that are pretty good i think sean chamberger was one of quietly one of their more important pieces last season uh, i thought he gave them a lot out of out of that star position that slot corner spot uh he was good in coverage uh, he was effective rushing off the edge they blitzed him a lot because um, they felt that was an area that, that you know he could make plays for them doing that and they got Alante taylor kenneth george warren Burrell, Keyshawn Lawrence is, is a freshman that, that they really like. So I think they're pretty solid up there. They can find another safety um, to sort of pair with Jalen McCullough. Um, and I would think at this point, I think Trayvon Flowers might be the best compliment to McCullough. Um, but if they can find uh, a quality safety back there, then um, I think the secondary has a chance to be pretty good and potentially arguably a strength of the defense up there with a the defensive line. You know, so they got, they got some guys there. They got some returning players. Danico Slaughter is the other freshman back there that I think is, uh, they really like he's, he's I think he's made a nice first impression this summer. So um, they've got a lot of options back there. They've got a lot of guys that um, that sort of check a lot of the boxes that, that Pruitt and Ansley want in their defensive backs. And um, it's just a matter of figuring out who their best five or six uh, are, depending on the situation, depending on the sub package, and, and going from there. And so 
Um, if, if they can find a safety and if, and if somebody like Alante Taylor, maybe even Kenneth George sort of emerges and, and becomes maybe a little bit better, uh, maybe a little bit more of a, a lockdown slash playmaking cornerback, then uh, there, there's not a lot of holes back that you can pick back there. And uh, if they're good in the secondary and they're good up front and that uh, maybe can afford them some time to develop and figure out what they have uh, and answer some of those questions they have at linebacker in the middle. A lot of players to pay attention to. More depth probably out of that conversation as Tennessee gets ready for the start of fall camp. Uh, They hope to be on time here in a few weeks. Whenever it gets started up, Patrick Brown is going to have you covered. You can read his work at GoVols247.com. He and the team do a a ton of great work covering football, recruiting, basketball as well. Hey, Patrick, thanks for all the time today. I really appreciate it and hope to talk to you again soon. Hope hope to see you sometime around a football field sometime soon. Yeah, tell me about it, Josh. Hope everything uh, gets started uh, on time or at least through the season and we can talk about uh, over the next few months. Thanks for having me on, man. Big thanks to Patrick Brown for joining me here on today's show to break down a, a number of different players and obviously position groups with Tennessee's football team. Coming up next, a change to Oklahoma's schedule at the start of the season. It's something that could affect the Tennessee game coming up on September 12th. And just a look at how things were different last week in college football from one area of the country from one conference to the next that's coming up right here on locked on vols part of the locked on podcast network Oklahoma announced over the weekend that its season opener against Missouri State is going to move up a week. So it's going to move up to what is often referred to as week zero, August 29th. Now, there's no guarantee the game takes place. As Oklahoma said in its announcement, it is moving to August 29th if the game is played. The reason Oklahoma says that it asked the NCAA to be able to move the game up is so that it could, quote, be valuable with the testing of players for the coronavirus that causes COVID-19. So they would have three games in five weeks to open up the season, have a little more time for testing and making sure everything's okay. Now, Tennessee on the other side might say, wait a minute, you get two weeks to get ready for the game. Now, I don't know how much playing Missouri State on September 5th versus August 29th would have really affected Oklahoma's preparation for the Tennessee game this season is going to be so different that I really don't know how much of a difference it makes and if Tennessee does play Charlotte September 5th and Oklahoma does play Missouri State on August 29th and then Oklahoma and Tennessee come together to play on September 12th we can have the conversation about Oklahoma maybe getting a little bit more of an advantage but I'll say thank goodness the games will have been played because it continues to be a question. Are we going to see non-conference games? How many games are we going to see? The most common opinion out there is not 12 games. Some have the opinion that, yeah, they'll go ahead and, and play all 12 games. That's not the majority of the opinions out there within the college football world. We already know two conferences aren't going to do it, the Big Ten and the Pac-12. And the uh, the Pac-12 is expected to announce a 10-game schedule it could be a nine-game schedule, but a 10-game conference-only schedule to start later in September, not September 5th. That was at least a report of John Wilner from the Mercury News late last week. So it continues to be an evolving conversation, and Stuart Mandel noted this on Friday. Here is how different things were last week from one conference, one area of the country to another. In the Pac-12, the report came out that they're going to start the season on September 19th. In Texas, they announced that they're planning to allow 50,000 fans in the stands and at Texas A&M they're planning to have about 50% capacity as well while also acknowledging yeah we might not actually start on time and then Texas Tech's president suggested it would take 20% positives to cancel a game then at Michigan State they had an entire team quarantined for two weeks that's right Michigan State decided to shut things down for two weeks 
because of three positive tests. So at Texas, they're saying 50,000 fans. At Michigan State, eh, we're going to have to shut down for a couple of weeks. Nobody knows where this is headed. Nobody's in charge of where it is headed as well as it relates to all across the country. That's why it's almost a conference-by-conference conversation, and maybe some of the conferences end up working together. I guess that leaves us with the SEC, ACC, and Big 12 working together. But how this is going to play out, nobody knows. And by the time I'm back for tomorrow's show, it could be a different conversation. We did see on Friday that the NCAA Board of Governors decided not to decide the fate of fall championships as they had their Board of Governors meeting. And in a statement, NCAA President Mark Emmert said that they will continue their discussions in August. So it's a day-by-day week-by-week conversation. And I'll have a little bit more on that tomorrow, the scenarios that could be on the table to play out this upcoming fall. But right now, Tennessee is still scheduled to play Charlotte on September 5th and Oklahoma on September 12th. And then the next week, Tennessee will play Furman before hosting Florida September 26th. That's the schedule right now. We'll have more on this tomorrow. I'm also going to have some Tennessee basketball talk on tomorrow's show. This is a team that is expected to be one of the best, maybe the best in the SEC. Grant Ramey of Go Vols 247 is going to stop by the show tomorrow to talk about all that's going on. A little recruiting as well as Rick Barnes and his staff continue to be hot on the recruiting trail. So that's coming up on tomorrow's show. I'm planning to have a show on Thursday as well. I'm traveling this week, so things could be up in the air a little bit, but that's the plan right now. Some uh, basketball and football talk on tomorrow's show and then another show on Thursday. Thank you for being here today. Big thanks to rockauto.com for sponsoring the show. Keep spreading the word to other Tennessee fans about Locked On Vols, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'll see you right here again tomorrow. Tomorrow.